Welcome to Calvert Library's Book Bites, first chapters that leave you hungry for more. Today's selection is Darius the Great is Not Okay by Adib Karam. The Chiefest and Greatest of Calamities Steam belched and hissed. Sweat trickled down the back of my neck. Smog the Terrible was furious with me. What does it mean, filter error? I asked. Here. Mr. Apaton wiggled the hose where it fed into Smog's gleaming chrome back. The blinking red light error went dark. Better? I think so. Smog gurgled happily and began boiling once again. Good. Were you pushing buttons? No, I say. Just to check the temperature. You don't have to check it, Darius. It always stays at 212. Right. There was no use arguing with Charles Apaton, manager of the Tea Haven at the shops at Fairview Court. He was convinced, despite all the articles I printed out for him, he refused to read web pages, that each and every tea should be steeped at a full boil, whether it was a robust Yunnan or a fragile Gyokuro. Not that Tea Haven ever got such fine teas. Everything we sold was enriched with antioxidants, or enhanced with natural superfruit extracts, or formulated for health and beauty. Smog, the irrepressibly finicky, was our industrial-strength water boiler. I named it Smog my first week on the job when I got scalded three times in a single shift, but so far, the name hasn't stuck with anyone else at Tea Haven. Mr. Apaton passed me an empty pump-action thermos. We need more blueberry acai bliss. I shoveled tea from the bright orange tin into the filter basket, topped it with two scoops of rock sugar, and tucked it under the spigot. Smog, the unassailably pressurized, spat its steaming contents into the thermos. I flinched as boiling water spattered my hands. Smog, the chiefest and greatest of calamities, was triumphant once more. As a people group, Persians are genetically predisposed to like tea. And even though I was only half Persian, I had inherited a full-strength, tea-loving gene sequence from my mom. You know how Persians make tea? My mom would ask. How, I would say. We put hell in it and we damn it, she would say. And I would laugh because it was funny to hear my mom, who never used colorful metaphors, pretend to curse. In Farsi, hell means cardamom, which is what makes Persian tea so delicious, and damn means to steep. When I explained the joke to Mr. Apaton, he was not amused. You can't swear at the customers, Darius, he said. I wasn't going to. It's Farsi. It's a joke. You can't do that. Charles Apaton was the most literal person I knew. After I replenished our strategically located sample thermoses with fresh tea, I refilled the plastic cups at each station. I was categorically opposed to plastic sample cups. Everything tasted gross out of plastic, all chemically and bland. It was deeply disgusting. Not that it made much difference at Tea Haven. The sugar content in our samples was high enough to mask the taste of the plastic cups, maybe even high enough to dissolve them given enough time. The Tea Haven at the shops at Fairview Court was not a bad place to work. Not really. It was a significant upgrade over my last job, spinning the daily special signs at one of those take-it-and-bake-it pizza places, and it would look good on my resume. That way, when I graduated, I could work at an artisanal tea store, instead of one that added the latest superfood extract to whatever dismal fannings the corporate tea blenders could find at the steepest discount.
My dream job was Rose City Teas, this place in the Northwest District that did small batch, hand-selected teas. There were no artificial flavorings in Rose City's teas, but you had to be 18 to work there. I was stuffing the cups into their spring-loaded dispenser when Trent Bolger's hyena laugh rang through the open doorway. I was completely exposed. The entire front of Tea Haven was composed of giant windows, which, though tinted to reduce sun exposure, still offered a full and enticing view of the wares and employees inside. I silently wished for the sun to bounce off the window, blinding Trent and cloaking me from what was sure to be an unpleasant encounter. Or at the very least, for Trent to keep on walking and not recognize me in my work uniform of black shirt and bright blue apron. It did not work. Trent Bolger rounded the corner and instantly got a sensor lock on me. He grabbed the doorframe and swung himself into the store, followed by one of his soulless minions of orthodoxy, Chip Cusimano. Hey! These nuts! Trent Bolger never called me Darius. Not if there was a suggestive nickname he could use instead. Mom always said she named me after Darius the Great, but I think she and Dad were setting themselves up for disappointment, naming me after a historical figure like that. I was many things. D-hole, D-wad, D's nuts, but I was definitely not great. If anything, I was a great target for Trent Bolger and his soulless minions of orthodoxy. When your name begins with D, the sexual innuendos practically write themselves. At least Trent was predictable. Trent Bolger was not technically a bully. Chapel Hill High School, where Trent, Chip, and I were sophomores, had a zero-tolerance policy towards bullying. It also had zero-tolerance policies towards fighting, plagiarism, drugs, and alcohol. And if everyone at Chapel Hill High School tolerated Trent's behavior, that meant he wasn't a bully, right? Trent and I had known each other since kindergarten. We were friends back then, in the way that everyone is friends in kindergarten, before socio-political alliances begin to cement, and then, by the time third grade rolls around, you find yourself spending every game of heads down, thumbs up, with your head down and your thumb up, completely ignored by your entire class, until you begin to wonder if you've turned invisible. Trent Bolger was only a level two athlete, level three at best. He played something back on the Chapel Hill High School junior varsity football team. Go Chargers! And he was not particularly good-looking, either. Trent was almost a head shorter than me, with close-cropped black hair, blocky black glasses, and a nose that turned up sharply at the end. Trent Bulger had the largest nostrils of anyone I had ever seen. Nonetheless, Trent was disproportionately popular among Chapel Hill High School's sophomore class. Chip Cusimano was taller, better-looking, and cooler. His hair was long and swoopy on top, with the sides shaved. He had the elegant sort of curved nose you saw in statues and paintings, and his nostrils were perfectly proportioned. He was also nicer than Trent, to most people if not to me, which of course meant he was far less popular. Also, his real name was Cyprian, which was an even more unusual name than Darius. Trent Bulger shared his last name with Frediger Fatty Bulger, a hobbit from The Lord of the Rings. He's the one that stays home in the Shire while Frodo and company go on their adventure. Fatty Bulger is pretty much the most boring hobbit ever. I never call Trent Fatty to his face. It was a level five disaster. I had avoided letting anyone at Chapel Hill High School know where I worked, specifically to keep that knowledge from falling into the hands of Trent and the soulless minions of orthodoxy. 
Chip Cusimano nodded at me from the doorway and began to examine our line of brightly colored steeper mugs. But Trent Bolger headed straight for my station. He was wearing gray, swishy shorts and his Chapel Hill High School wrestling team sweatshirt. Trent and Chip both wrestled in the winter. Trent was junior varsity, but Chip had managed a spot on the varsity roster, the only sophomore to do so. Chip had on his team sweatshirt too, but he wore it with his usual black joggers, the kind with stripes down the side that taper around the ankles. I never saw Chip in swishy shorts outside of gym class, which I assumed was for the same reason I avoided them. It was the only thing we had in common. Trent Bolger stood in front of me grinning. He knew I couldn't escape him at work. Welcome to Tea Haven, I said, which was the corporate mandated greeting. Would you like to sample one of our fine teas today? Technically, I was also supposed to produce a corporate mandated smile, but I was not a miracle worker. Do you guys sell tea bags? Across the store, Chip smirked and shook his head. Uh, I knew what Trent was trying to do. This was not Chapel Hill High School, and the Tea Haven at the shops at Fairview Court did not have a zero-tolerance policy towards bullying. No, we only sell mesh strainers and biodegradable sachets. That's a shame. I bet you really like tea bags. Trent's grin crept up one side of his face. He only ever smiled with half his mouth. You just seem like the type of guy who would really enjoy them. Um, you must get teabagged a lot, right? I'm trying to work, Trent, I said. Then, because I had the tingly feeling that Mr. Apaton was somewhere close by, carefully watching and critiquing my customer service, I cleared my throat and asked, <clears throat> Would you like to try our Orange Blossom Awesome Herbal Tisane? I refused to call it tea when it did not contain any actual tea leaves. What's it taste like? I pulled a sample cup out of the stack, filled it with a pump of Orange Blossom Awesome, and offered it to Trent, using my flat palm as a sort of saucer. He downed it in one swallow. Ugh, this tastes like orange juice and balls. Chip Cusimano laughed into the empty tea tin he was examining. It was one of our new spring pattern ones with cherry blossoms on it. Did you brew it right, Darius? Mr. Apaton asked behind me. Mr. Apaton was even shorter than Fatty Bulger, but somehow he managed to take up some more space as he stepped between us to fill a sample cup of his own. Fatty winked at me. Catch you later, D-bag. D-bag. My newest suggestive nickname. It was only a matter of time. Trent nodded at Chip, who grinned and waved innocently at me, as if he hadn't just played accomplice to my humiliation. They jostled each other out the door, laughing. Thank you for visiting Tea Haven, I said. Come again soon. The corporate mandated farewell. Did he just call you Teabag? Mr. Apaton asked. No. Did you tell him about our mesh baskets? I nodded. Hmm. He slurped his sample. Well, this is right. Good job, Darius. Thanks. I had done nothing worthy of praise. Anyone could brew orange blossom awesome. That was the whole point and purpose of Tea Haven. Was that a friend of yours from school? Clearly, the nuances of my interaction with Fatty Bulger, the world's most boring hobbit, were lost on Charles Apaton. Next time, have him try the Blueberry Bliss. Okay. If you enjoyed this chapter and are hungry for more, Darius the Great is Not Okay is available in ebook and audiobook format through Libby by Overdrive. Visit calvertlibrary.info for more information and stay tuned for more book bites.